Hello, everybody. Welcome to Toddler Purgatory, a.k.a. Todd Perks. Todd Perks. I'm Molly. Hey, I'm Blair. What's going on, (laughs) y'all? And today we are talking about gentle parenting. I want to start this off by telling you what I thought gentle parenting was. (laughs) Give it to us, because it's probably along the same lines as mine. I thought it was like, you just talk like this when you're talking to your children. And even if you're upset, you just say things like, I'm upset. (laughs) Like, I thought it was like the beautiful Bob Ross version of yelling. (laughs) I don't know what I thought it was. And I've seen, you know, the phrases here and there, gentle parenting, and they do kind of appeal to me, but I genuinely had no idea what it was or like what the tenets of it were. What did you think it was, Blair? I thought it was more like, it's okay if you want to kick and scream. It's okay. You're letting out your feelings and that's okay. And I'm going to take it on the chin. (laughs) You thought it was like self-punishment, <laughs> like, like the mom or dad gets beat up. Yeah, or it was like make, you know, like stop being so tough on your kids, you know. You're a lot closer than I was. I really thought it was just a tonal change of your voice, of your actual voice. Yeah, I did, maybe didn't think about it very hard. <laughs> maybe I should have. That's okay. But I will say this. I'm going to let our listeners in on something. So Blair and I are recording today. I did the research for this a couple days ago. And it was pretty, as Blair would say, I had some real aha moments. It definitely connected with me in a way I didn't think it was going to. And because I did the research a couple days ago, I have the rare opportunity. Usually I do the research and we record the podcast and then we explore, you know, in our own lives what we learn from that podcast. But because I did it a couple days ago, I had two days to try out some of the things. I had some of the things in my mind from having done the research. And it was really, really eye-opening. It was much more actionable than I thought it was. Again, I just thought it was just speaking softly. But it was it's much more actionable. It's a change in the way you see things. Mm-hmm. And it was a real shift for me. It really was. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like both Blair and I, and maybe some of you out there as well, need a little bit more information on what exactly gentle parenting is. Well, on the Very Well Family blog, in an article entitled, What is Gentle Parenting? Ding, ding. Thank you. (laughs) They describe it as fostering the qualities you want in your child by being compassionate and enforcing consistent boundaries. Unlike some more lenient parenting methods, gentle parenting also encourages discipline, but in an age-appropriate way. Discipline methods focus on teaching valuable life lessons rather than focusing on punishments. Mm. Yeah, that was cool. It says this parenting style is composed of, in this one, they said four main elements, empathy, respect, understanding, and boundaries. I read a lot about a book, which I'm going to get from Sarah Ockwell Smith. She's a parenting expert and the author of the Gentle Parenting book. She kind of focuses mostly on empathy, understanding, and respect. But I think boundaries are kind of part of that, approaching the boundaries that you set up with your child so that they have expectations they can count on. The boundaries aren't always changing and shifting and, you know, inconsistent. They're more consistent so they can actually rely on those boundaries and get strength from them. And the the funny thing that stands out for me is when you hear gentle parenting, it's sort of like what you were talking about, Blair, of like, I'm going to let you, you know, behave like a wild animal and I'm just going to take it, Mm -hmm. which actually would be a lenient way of dealing with it. And what stood out to me was they said, unlike some more lenient parenting methods, which is our first you know, sign or clue that gentle parenting isn't exactly about 
having to be gentle all the time or gentle reactions to things. It's more of a, a way of looking at things. And the other thing that I thought was really cool, this is from guidepostmontessori.com, Beginner's Guide to Gentle Parenting. And writer Natalia Oliver describes it as a parenting approach that encourages a partnership between you and your child to make choices based on an internal willingness instead of external pressures. Mm. What other people think. Yes. This parenting style asks you to become aware of the behavior you model for your child. I heard that over and over and over again. Is It's all about how you model behavior. Mm -hmm. It encourages compassion, welcomes emotions, and accepts the child as a whole capable being. Wow. I love that. I think that that's like a big part of it for me with this whole gentle parenting thing is like looking at a child as being capable. Yeah. I feel like as a society, as how I've grown up is like children aren't, children can't. Yeah. Seen and not heard in the other room, all that stuff. Yeah. So to actually see them as like capable human beings is like this new revelation. And it's like, oh, wait, that's not how I grew up. That's not how it was in my household. And now that I have them in my household and I've birthed them, it's just like, oh, wait, no, they are totally capable They're not just going to learn all this stuff out of the blue. I agree. It is a change in the way that we see children. And of course, it's something that's, you know, been going on for a long time. But in the whirling nature of our days, sometimes you just want to say like, look, you go there like chess pieces. You go there and you go there and you stay there and you be still so I can just get through this next thing. And then when Mm -hmm. we sense the agitation or we see the physical activity that we weren't anticipating and is not necessarily welcome in that moment, we tend to have big reactions to that. Yeah. Because I'm not thinking about my kids. I mean, of course, I'm thinking about his feelings, but I'm not thinking about like, how did he get to that point? Exactly. And it's hard in those moments, these high intensity moments to step back and be like, hmm, this is a capable human being that what how they're behaving isn't coming out of nowhere. So where is it coming from? And then something, too, that came out of this when I was reading through it is, you know, that thing of like, I don't know if you got this as a kid, but like that, you should know better. I got that a lot as a kid. As I'm going through this, I'm like, but maybe they don't. Maybe even if they've been told, maybe if you have like, even if you think that you model certain behaviors, maybe they don't. They didn't retain it. They didn't retain it or because their brains are still developing and it hasn't stuck yet. So maybe they don't know any better. Sometimes I do feel like I need to be a medical professional. Like, wouldn't that be helpful? (laughs) Oh, please. I need to be a doctor. A psychologist. A medical doctor. A psychologist. I need to be all of the things. Yes. It would definitely make my life a lot easier. (laughs) Would it make it more complicated because you would constantly be, yeah. I do wonder about that. Blair and I have talked about this before that my parents, my dad was a child psychologist school psychologist in schools. And my mom ended up being a medical librarian, but she also got her degree in psychology. But they, I never felt like shrunk by them, so to speak. Like I never Mm -hmm. felt like they were sort of analyzing, but I do wonder how much it affected their parenting. I should talk to them. You know what? We should have them on the pod. I am interested. Yeah. Are they able to separate their background in psychology from parenting in the moment? Mm -hmm. And when did they find it useful? You know? This is actually a preview for our our upcoming episode. (laughs) We interview Molly's parents. (laughs) Also, you know, I started thinking about, you know, what would be the benefit of gentle parenting? Because it feels like they're, as we know, Blair, from this pod and from just being a person in the world in this day and age with media, what it is and the amount of resources we have at our fingertips. 
all that parenting options can feel super overwhelming. Yeah. And a lot of work. Yeah. And a lot of time that I feel like I don't have. Yeah. So what are some ways we can switch in just little ways to implement some of these things? And, you know, here's the alternative on CNBC. Dot com, an article they say a study conducted by a researcher at the University of Montreal published in March indicated that harsh parenting practices, quote unquote, could actually stunt the growth of a child's brain. I believe mm-hmm. it. A 2012 study on preschool children by academics from Washington University indicated a, quote, positive effect of early supportive parenting on healthy hippocampal development, which is a brain region for a key for memory, learning and stress modulation. Oh, Stress modulation, that's it right there. Yeah. When you think about the actual physical impact of the type of parenting style that you choose and how it might impact your children's future, it really makes you think, huh, maybe I will learn a little bit more about this gentle parenting thing. (laughs) Right? But it's also like that whole idea, like the harsh parenting practices of just like, you know, like the generational thing or just like, you know, your kids should fear you. What does that like really do? for a child, you know? And in my own experience to this day, and I'm not saying, and let me tell you this, let me just preface this by saying that when I say in my own experience, it's for me to connect to you all who are listening and for you all to say, yeah, that was me too. Or I totally understand that. Or, you know, that wasn't my experience, but let me hear this other side of it. And it is definitely not a knock on my parents because they were doing all they could with the tools that they had. So I just want to just like make that clear. Maybe from my own content. Also, shout out to your parents. You still have a great relationship with them. (laughs) So, hey. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But this whole idea of like the harsh parenting practices, I mean, to this day, I have a hard time with authority. I have a hard time sometimes standing up for myself because of the fact that You know, there was a lot of like, I am the adult, you are the child, and this is where you stand. And it wasn't until like I left the house that I stayed in that, you know, position. Did you go out and just go crazy? Did you have like your own personal rumspringa, like the Amish? You know, (laughs) I'm free! Is that how Irish, is is that how Amish people die? (laughs) Oh, yes, not Irish, Amish. Amish. It wasn't (laughs) until I was, that I got to college. Yeah. Like, no, actually, no, 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 no. No, it wasn't until I got, nope. It wasn't until I was in my late twenties after grad school, when I was like officially done with school and I was officially done with like having authority be such a major part of my life. Right. That I was like, uh oh, where are those bananas? I'm going to go for them. And I was like, oh, bananas meaning you're. I honestly was like, did you go to the grocery store and steal bananas? You got banana? What? Oh, you became a thief. You became a fruit thief. Got it. I got it. <laughs> I became a th- fruit thief. I stole fruit. Yeah, I went crazy. Just trying to figure it out for myself. Yeah. But you did. You're doing fine. <laughs> well, this is interesting, too, because what you're talking about, Blair, essentially is when you truly felt independent. Yes. Not boomerang, but kind of like an elastic band. You went, boing, and you kind of bounced into the independence thing. Yeah. You know, in my research, I read gentle parenting takes guiding your child towards independence to an emotional level. So children are invited to explore their emotions and parents consistently model accepting their child's experience, which teaches children how to manage their feelings and being allowed to emote. That's important. Did you ever see your parents be emotional other than like anger? Yeah. I mean, I saw my mom cry and be sad, but it was always like 
it felt as though it was extremes. I was never cut off from my emotions, for sure. But I think because I didn't see a lot of it come from them mm-hmm. when I had certain things that, you know, certain emotions that you sometimes can't pinpoint what exactly they are. I didn't talk about it or I didn't like voice it because I didn't think that they, you know, they're also your parents, you know? I know. It feels like a huge disconnect. Yeah. It's like, oh, my parents would know nothing about this because, you know, that's not something that they do. Right. It's not something that parents, you know, you see them as like heroic. There's also sort of a stoicism that parents, I think even to this day value or society values in parents, the strong, sturdy you know, man coming home from work and whatever. And mm-hmm. and there is something about like the work ethic, I guess, like that work ethic and that staying on the straight and narrow and not showing cracks, you know, in your facade or in your life or whatever. That is something that carries through. Yeah. It's vulnerability. Yeah, it's vulnerability. <laughs> the how we see ourselves and how we see other parents and families for a long time was that picture perfect model. That you had to uphold. Yeah. And that meant not showing that life is hard sometimes. And sometimes I just sit in the car and cry for five minutes before I go into the house. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a somewhat of a confessional aspect to podcast, to media now, to the intimacy with which we share our lives on Instagram or whatever. You know, and there's a bunch of artifice in that too, of course. But it's a different time. And I wonder how much vulnerability and letting our children show that boys and girls is going to lead to them to know then when those feelings come up in the workplace in their late 20s, that they know how they understand and can identify those feelings and they are not shamed by them. Right. Listen, and especially since learning my craft as an actor and learning how important vulnerability is in order to tell stories, period, I say the more the better, especially now with these kids, zero to six, you know, the more the better so that they can learn how to modulate them do it all <laughs> so that you're not doing it all at 25. And you're not ashamed of your feelings. You're not ashamed of your feelings and you don't care what other people think of you. Because listen, it ain't that cute at 25 and it could get a little costly. <laughs> the therapist or the things that you end up doing to yourself, you know? And we're also not asking our children... To go through life not knowing how to handle their feelings so they hold them inside until they become toxic, till they become rancid. Yes. And then they come out in scary ways. Well, I always like say, like I say to my students, especially like my students who say, well, I'm not much of a crier. I don't like to cry. I'm like, oh, you don't? Okay, cool. And it's that idea of like holding a beach ball down in the water. You know, like in, you're in the pool or, you're, you know, you're in the ocean. You're just trying to hold the beach. But it's not sustainable unless you, you know, puncture it, right? And then what happens? It floats away. It goes all the way away. But it has now become a toxic thing in the water. Someone else has got to go scoop it out, right? This metaphor went to great places. Thank you. <laughs> it's really interesting because I, then I was like, then a seal eats it. Then a seal eats it. And then the seal's excrement is then digested by phytoplankton. But you see what I mean? It's like you can't sustain. So why not just like help our children now? Just like do it all and be it all while there's no shame and no cover up and no veil of, you know? Yes. Especially shame. Especially shame. Oh, Yeah. It makes my heart ache when I think about my son who's five feeling shame for... He said something to me the other day, a couple weeks ago, where he said, 
But mama, I wasn't brave. I cried. Mm. And that was really hard for me because we do nothing but encourage big emotions in this house. (laughs) Me and my husband are pretty open with our emotions. And he's seen his dad cry. He's seen me cry. He doesn't love it when I cry because I also cry at funny things. For me, it's all right there. I'm like the Sally Field of like, yeah, we're criers, we're criers. And sometimes it embarrasses him because he doesn't know what to do with my Mm -hmm. emotions. But I try to... And after reading this research, I'm telling you, that model, that aspect of you modeling the right behavior for your children, I try to talk through why I'm crying. I talk through what got me there, and I talk through what will make me feel better. You know what I need to do? I just need to let this out. I need to let it flow through me like a river. (laughs) Yes. And then I'll feel better. You know what I'll do? I'll splash some water on my face, and I'll play shoots and ladders with you. Yeah. So I'm... And that, and I'll be in a better place then, you know, that kind of thing, which I, I think I did fairly well before. And, and now that I'm really thinking about this gentle parenting thing and it's in my conscious thought, I'm going to try and do even better from now on. Me too. We'll be right back after this with more on gentle parenting. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, where we're talking about gentle parenting. And how it's like resonating with Molly and I so far really a lot. lot. (laughs) The answer to that is a lot. A whole lot. And we mentioned before, like there's some main focus facets of gentle parenting, which are empathy, respect, understanding, and boundaries. And we're just going to like tap into the empathy, respect, and understanding of it and just really what that means and how that filters into parenting gently. Empathy is a powerful reminder to slow down and engage with your child, with what your child is dealing with and shutting off autopilot, that like thing of like, you're fine, right? Yes. You're good. Take a deep breath and you'll be fine, you know? Right. I know for me, like empathy is so big because I want my child, my children to walk this earth being empathetic beings. It's very important for me. But sometimes I fail as a parent, for sure, because of all the things that I'm wrapped up and wound with in that moment, right? My two-year-old is crying because of something, and I'm cooking, you know, or I'm trying to get stuff together in the morning for my son to get out of the door, you know? And it's like, you're fine. Stop. I'll get to you, you know, knock it off. But what would happen 
if just for like you took those two seconds to just be like come down to their level, right? And be like, what's going on? What's up? You might get something really in-depth or it could just be, I need a hug. Right. Or it could just be, I need to let this out. I just needed your eyeballs on me for two seconds. Oh, okay. And it has happened. I've really tried to be, I really do try. Well, you know, and I think that's a good reminder of this, the aspect of modeling with gentle parenting is like showing empathy and that tells them how to behave in a certain situation. Mm-hmm. I also think for me, Blair, I was telling you about this. The other day I was cooking dinner and let me tell you something. I have some strengths, but cooking dinner ain't one of them. <laughs> Ordering takeout, that's a strength. But as every once in a while, a couple of days a week, I like to try and you know, throw something together. But it just so happened that as my food, you know, as the pasta water was boiling and the zucchini was being <laughs> turned over or whatever it was, my son was in the other room, like three rooms away. I was in the kitchen and then through the dining room. He was in the living room laying on his stomach. He's five years old. So anyone who tells you that meltdowns stop after they learn how to communicate verbally is lying. And he had already ripped a page out of a magazine that my husband was reading. He wasn't mad at my husband. He was mad at me for not coming in and picking him up to bring him into the kitchen to sit on the step stool while I cook so he could hang out with me. I was cooking. Like I was, I had, I looked like an octopus. I had like a uh, spatula in one hand, tongs in another. I was like, all the things, things. spinning all those plates, spinning all those plates. And meanwhile, he was getting deeper and deeper and deeper into a meltdown that I hadn't come in and, and taken care of him. But I was like, literally, our house will catch on fire if I leave this food right now. So I was like, you know, I was trying to be gentle, trying to be gentle. And for me, the empathy part started with once the food was cooked and I shut everything off, I kind of leaned out from the doorway of the kitchen and looked at him and stopped myself from a reaction, which I do have sometimes because I'm a human being, which is knock it off. It's dinner time. Not that's enough. Because he was so deep into his feelings in this moment that he wouldn't have heard me. That wouldn't have been a, a successful <laughs> in any way <laughs> move to make. And I also happened to have gotten enough sleep. So I was like in a place myself where I could deal with this. That helps. That helps. So then once all the stuff was on the stove and done, but staying warm, I went over and you know, in the past I might have been like, like depending on my patient's level and where we were in the night and that kind of thing, what is it? What can I do? Did you wash your hands yet? Or whatever, being like factual mom, like mm-hmm. time time beep 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 mom rather than that. <laughs> That's not a real thing, time time beep 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 mom, but I think you know where I'm coming from. <laughs> we, we, we get it. We get it. Yeah, okay, thank you. I sat on the floor next to him and I just kind of tried to do that thing with, you know, they say hold space. Yeah. And I did that and I put my hand on his hand just in case he needed like a little touch and I didn't say anything. And he was screaming and screaming and heaving. He's clearly in meltdown mode. And I kind of let it run through him. I let it run through him. And and it was showing him empathy by sitting with someone who's in distress. But the mm-hmm. empathy for me started in the kitchen when I looked out the doorway and said, how did we get to this place? Yeah. And it's about kind of get, trying to slow down, take a breath, really say, ooh, he is having a tough time right now. What could have gotten us here, you know? Probably because he got home from school and I barely have hung out with him because I was working on cooking dinner and he needs mom time. Yeah. He needs me next to him. So that's what I did. And we sat and, you know, in 10 minutes or so, uh, 10 of the longest minutes of my life. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be at it. You know, he did calm down and we got to a funny place and he eventually he just like crawled up in my lap mm. and I didn't say anything. I said almost nothing during that whole time, which as you know, it's hard for me. <laughs> And he sat in my lap and snuggled and I cracked a couple jokes, which always helps. Distractions and humor always help. But I think you're right, Blair. It's about 
modeling empathy for them and having empathy for them, taking a step outside of your own timeline, your own sense of pressure about getting dinner on the table. Maybe you have more than one kid. I have one kid I'm dealing with, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you have four kids. Two of them are melting down at the same time. One needs help with his homework and the other one just pooped their diaper. So you're dealing with all that stuff. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to take a step back. But man, having that sense of empathy with really what your kid is going through in that moment can give a great perspective. I think you have to have empathy for yourself too. Yeah, that's a good, especially as like a mom. You know, I have these moments where I feel like where I get that overwhelmed, I get into that vortex of thinking that I'm not doing enough, I'm not being enough, and then I get frustrated, you know? I think that even just in talking about this, I'm like, wait a minute, like, I could have a little bit more empathy for myself. And when you do that, when you have empathy for yourself and take a step back from yourself and and see where you are, that's another way that you're modeling gentleness to yourself for your child because you want them to be gentle with themselves. Totally. I would never. Half the things that I think about and the way that I talk to myself, I would crumble into a heaping pile of poo if I knew my kid was talking to themselves like I do sometimes. We talk about this. They have other voices. They have their own senses of self-doubt, of insecurity, they have other voices. Who knows? At school, their siblings from television shows. My son parrots things from TV shows he hears, and I kind of can't believe it. I'm like, was that G? Was that Y7? What the heck TV show were you watching? Is Melrose Place still on? <laughs> Where did you get this language? What is happening? These mature thoughts, Melrose Place. Y'all, I just dated myself. Oh, You just dated yourself real big. I can't believe it. I wish I had come up with a uh, much more recent one, so I seemed hipper. Huh. Well, that's all right. Keep trying. You want to try and be the voice in his head that you want to hear in your own head. For sure. And we should be. We should be. And we got to do that to ourselves. I got to talk better myself. Yes. Same. The second of the three facets we're exploring is respect. And in that Montessori article, they say, gentle parenting is based on mutual respect. It wouldn't make sense to hope that a child grows up into an adult who respects others when being respected wasn't modeled for them at a young age. Isn't that crazy? Yep. I honestly never thought of that. And I think it's because we come from such a societal thing of like, children are seen, not heard. I came from like a military background, not that I grew up in a militaristic household, but I was, you know, my dad was in the army and we lived on base and respect was a humongous thing for me. And a lot of it was like respect is earned, but how can you earn something when you have no collateral, you know, like you're just a kid. Yeah. You're just a kid. How do you know how to respect if you're not respected? Your frontal lobes are like salmon. (laughs) Your frontal lobes of your brain are just sushi. They're sushi. Farmed salmon. Oh, farmed salmon. Just a little too fatty. (laughs) Little. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. See, now your previous metaphor, dope. That metaphor I tried to do with salmon, (laughs) anti-dope. Well, they say in day-to-day life, and this is good, Blair, for what you're talking about, how we can put into action. Respecting your child in practice means swapping gentle requests for harsh commands. That's the second time we've heard the word harsh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's the opposite of harsh is gentle. So it's not about being lenient. It's not about letting everything go. It's about treating your child in the respectful tone you would like to hear. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And their gentle requests. And extending, they say, extending invitations for partnership in lieu of fear-based warnings, which is something I do, and I hate that I do it. Yeah. If you don't this, I'm going to this. 
Usually it's me taking something away, whereas it should be adding something to his life for doing good things. Focus on the positive part. Mm-hmm. But I say, if you don't get in this car, we can't go to the playground after school or whatever. And I hear myself saying it and I'm like, what? I know that's not the right thing to do. But in the moment you get heated, you get emotional, you get human. You get human. More than anything. That's what we have to remember. It's so funny because my two and a half year old is still just dabbling in potty training. But she does this thing now where that's not bad. Some kids don't potty train till four. You're fine. That's true. <laughs> but she, it's like she knows how to do all of the things. But she's just like, eh, I prefer to just go ahead and drop a deuce right here in this diaper. Thank you. And you're going to clean it up. Great. Thanks. But she does this thing where she uses the bathroom and she asks for privacy. Okay, fancy. Yeah. She'll have the door wide open and I'll be like, what's, you going poo-poo? She's like, yes, I need some privacy. I'm like, okay. And she'll say, can you shut the door? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. The first few times it happened, I was like, no, I'm not shutting the door. What do you think? I'm crazy? You're going to leave a two and a half year old in the bathroom by yourself? But then something clicked. And actually, I watched my nanny do it. She closed the door and she just stood there by the door. And I was like, yeah, I have to respect the fact that my daughter, number one for me, has asked me for privacy in the bathroom. Mm. And I was like, yeah, of course you can have your privacy. Of course you can do what you need to do in here in this private moment and set it up as a private moment because you are a child. And one day you will be a grown up in a private moment and you will need to ask for that privacy and you will need to demand that respect and get it and get it. Oh, Blair, that's so good. The respect that we instill in our kids now is going to teach them to respect themselves later. For sure. And I mean, I know there's a lot of moms, not to make this gendery, but there's a lot of moms out there of daughters who may have, like I did, as I got older, I had a real hard time figuring out, you know, things as far as like boundaries. <laughs> Borders. Borders. <laughs> Where do I live? I don't know. Where am I? Where is Canada? Do I need my passport here? <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be a fun game to play with a sibling, though, is to, like, create passports to enter different parts of the house. And <laughs> <laughs> but boundaries and self-respect. Self-respect, yeah. And privacy. Yeah, my moments of privacy that do belong to her. Yes. So true. Well, you know, here's the last part is understanding. And this kind of hits on what we talked about in part one, which was... We don't need to be psychologists. We don't need to be doctors, even though me and Blair are convinced that life would be easier if we were. (laughs) It would help. So understanding, the understanding piece of gentle parenting comes down to making a practice of remembering that a child is a child. Acknowledging that a child's behavior is appropriate for their developmental stage. Parents allow children to explore their reactions, emotions, and thoughts in a safe and nurturing space, which is so interesting. In that Very Well Family article from before... It says, with older children, keep their age in mind before reacting to their behavior. I don't know why they said with older children, because I think that's true with every age of child. Uh, Keep their age in mind before reacting to their behavior. Doing so will help you better understand their mindset to help them through their feelings in an appropriate way. I think it's more of like the idea of like, you know, keeping their age in mind, like a toddler versus a teenager. Yeah. Right? Keep their age in mind before reacting to their behavior. That's true, because we, I guess what they're inferring is that, we might tend to give a one or two-year-old the benefit of the doubt that they're going to act like a baby because they are a baby. (laughs) Right. Whereas I think it's really like when they say older children, maybe it's our five and six and Mm seven-year-olds where we, maybe they say, like, you know, my son says mature things sometimes 
when we're like, wow, he's getting so old, he's getting so big. And then five minutes later has bananas behavior stemming from being hungry or being tired or right. needing physical attention, you know, from us, needing hugs, needing cuddles, whatever. And it seems so in contrast with the other moments of what seem like great maturity that we go, huh, where's this coming from? This is weird, right? Just like a teenager. Yeah. A teenager will act out like a child and you're just like, why? What are you doing? What are you doing? But that's because the brain hadn't got there yet. And that's what they know to do. This is what has definitely worked in the past. Yeah. Not probably completely and totally subconscious, right? But there's something in their brain that's like, if I throw an absolute fit right now, right, I can get what I want, even though I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Being a teenager was tough. Let's never host a teenager podcast, even when our kids are teenagers. No. Because I don't get them. I didn't get them when I was one. <laughs> Did not like it. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few ways to get started. What little baby steps can we take to implement some gentle parenting into our lives? And also we're going to touch on discipline because one thing that I thought was interesting about this was even though we're encouraging them to explore their emotions and their emotional response to things in a safe and nurturing environment, you know, do we still, what about setting up those boundaries? What about the times when they really are, they know they're breaking their rules and they're doing it? How do we react, but, and yet still be gentle, gentle, we'll be right back. Stick around. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, where we're talking about gentle parenting. And we want to get into like how to do it. How are we going to implement this stuff? How do we even start? Because it all can seem super overwhelming. And for some of us, it could be like a whole flip the script, right? Yes. So let's get into how we do this. How about setting up boundaries and like delving into like some of the discipline stuff, right? Yeah. So here are some baby steps, some bite-sized chunks that we can start with. In the Montessori article, some of you may be familiar with these methods if you're Montessori people. 
The first one is comment on the action, not the person. And Blair and I were talking earlier about how that reminds me a lot of in previous pods, we have talked about complimenting the effort, not the outcome, so that our kids aren't obsessed with the outcome, with always being, it isn't about the win, it's how you got to the win. How you got there, right. And that's kind of similar to this. So they say, try to separate the action from the child when you speak. It's the difference between responding with, you're mean to your sister, and replacing it with, I don't think your sister likes it when you do that. Let's try something else and see how she responds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this helps them to know that like, maybe the thing they're doing in that moment isn't a good choice. It is a mistake, but that we can all come back from mistakes. Totally. They don't define us. We're learning how to live life. They don't define you. What? Come on, Oprah. Come on, Oprah. (laughs) Be on our pod. The second thing that this article suggests is modeling all kinds of kindness, which we talked about, including, and Blair, you touched on this, which I love, which is kindness to yourself. For sure. Yes, for sure. And showing that to your kids, too, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, how about this dinner? I did a good job, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah. And you can even say something like, I worked really hard on this dinner, and it makes me so happy to be able to sit here and enjoy it. You know, complimenting yourself, modeling kindness to yourself about the action, not the person, right? Exactly. So apply that to yourself. Also, one of their examples is you could say, oh boy, I am tired today. And then say what you're going to do about it. A nice shower will make me feel more rested and I will go to bed (laughs) earlier tonight. Oh, I am tired today. You know what make me feel better? If you two would just hush and maybe put yourselves to bed. Oh, that would do it for mommy. Love you. Love you. Lilac bath salts coming into my future. <laughs> Good night, Irene. Night, night. Hope somebody puts my kids to bed. Yeah, all kinds of kindness, including to yourself. Also swap commands. Do this for an invitation to work together. Rather than saying, tie your shoes, a gentle parenting alternative might ask, hey, should we tie our shoes so we don't trip? Which is great. Right. Because that's like in life, you got to have to tie your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's work on that. Yeah. And then the last thing they say as to how to start implementing gentle parenting practices is encourage the positive action. There are plenty of alternatives to saying no. Believe it or not. (laughs) Yeah, what? (laughs) What? Because don't you sometimes feel some days like all you're doing is saying some version of no? Always. I would get numb to that too if I was a kid. I wouldn't even hear you anymore. I don't even hear myself most of the times. I feel like I say it so much. Yeah. Their example is demands not to touch something can be communicated by saying something like, let's use gentle hands on this, or even this one is just for looking, which is what I'm going to do because my son wants to touch everything in stores. (laughs) And I need to focus on that positive thing rather than constantly saying, don't touch. Nope, that's glass. Nope, that's breakable. Nope, if you break that, mama has to pay for it and it's an electronic, so you know it's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what a joy I must be to be around. Or me. Do you have money for this? Did you bring your wallet? Do you have a credit card? How's your credit? Okay, stop touching it, please. Thank you. How's your credit? (laughs) And then he started referring to you as Experian. (laughs) You're not mama anymore. And then my credit report does not look good. (laughs) It's bad. Experian said it was bad. Just call me FICO. So the funny thing about gentle parenting, as me and Blair have talked about, is what does that mean? Does that mean you let your kid get away with everything? (laughs) And we have learned that that is not the case. Gentle is how you approach your child and how you respect the process of them learning how to navigate their feelings, learning about what's right and what's wrong, and realizing that they're a child and never forgetting that. My husband and I say that to each other. He's five. 
he says something hurtful and we look at each other and say, he's five. So whatever that thing is to you that can get you back into the mindset that you're not dealing with another adult, you can't match their energy with adult energy because that is overwhelming and hurtful, right? Mm -hmm. And scary. It can be very scary to them. So what about the boundaries and discipline stuff? Because inevitably, most children are going to break the rules sometimes. So there should be clear boundaries with clear, you know, repercussions. One thing they say, and this is, you know, the gentle parenting part is also, as we keep bringing up, is not only getting empathetic to your kids, thoughts, feelings, and, you know, emotional well-being, but your own. And so this is from Sarah Aquell Smith's book, The Gentle Parenting Book, which we talked about earlier. She kept coming back up in all my research. You know I got to get this book. Get that book. I got to go to the library, see if they have it. Number one, she suggests is be mindful of why you feel the need to discipline. Right. Oof, that one was like, yikes. Is it that takes the spotlight away from your kid and on yourself to say, hmm, is this a moment when I need to discipline? She says, has your child done something that you find unacceptable or have they broken one of your boundaries? Or do you want to use the moment to teach them how to behave in a more appropriate way next time? Really be specific about why you feel the need to discipline so it doesn't become muddied by other stuff. For instance, she said, have you just been triggered by your past experiences or are people watching you on the playground? Ooh, yes, and waiting to see your response. My heart runs, beats a little faster when I read that line. Yeah. Well, then it's also why, again, shame, judgment, right? Mm-hmm. And... You don't want to be judged. You don't want to be shamed because you do enough of it to yourself. Yeah. I already think I'm doing a not great job some of the time. (laughs) I already think I'm not up to the task. And if I have an iota of a feeling that somebody else thinks that, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It would, you know, it puts you into a mental spiral. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I feel like I was telling Molly this, that I took my daughter to a dance class, her first dance class, had a great time. And... This little boy was in their class and sitting next to her. They were getting dressed to go home. And her mom was making, you know, some chit chat with me. And I said, oh, say hi to your friend or say bye to your friend. She said, mommy, he's not my friend. And I immediately was like, don't say that. That's not nice. And then I immediately apologized to the mother. mother. And in that moment, it was just like just pure like embarrassment and shame. Social embarrassment. Yes. Listen, it was very rude, yes, but maybe it should have been like, hey, listen, that was really super rude. How can we say nicer things, right? Can we say something nice? Or I don't know. I don't know. I just, but it was just like. You're still processing it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like the instant, like, oh my God, she's not me. I would never say that to you. I think you're cool. I like your hat. How are you? You want to go grab a drink? Oh my God. (laughs) You know, after my son's birthday party, he they were on the playground and it, birthday parties are big days. They're such big days. They're two or three hours of sheer crazy. And then they all went to the playground because we had the party at a park. And I think he pushed some kid and some of the other, one of the other kids came over. And I was never more acutely aware of eyes on me than being like the host of a party that just ended, exhausted, streaked with cupcake frosting. <laughs> like just so many broken balloons in my pocket that I picked up off the ground from the park. I was like, oh God. And I had to deal with that in that moment. And we have that great episode about what do you do when your kid is, you know, the aggressor on the playground or what have you. And I did okay. I removed him from the situation and we went somewhere where none of us had eyes on us because I knew he felt that pressure too. Mm -hmm. But I don't always do that great. And I think in that moment, I could have done the second tip from Sarah Aquasmith, which is ask yourself why, how, 
what? The best discipline happens when you work with, not against your child. That sounds crazy to me. Like in my head, I'm like, what? (laughs) What? What? So she says, before you respond, take a minute to ask yourself why, how, what. The why is, why did my child do that? For instance, what triggered the behavior? The how is, how is my child feeling? What emotions could have caused the behavior? I don't know, maybe the emotion of being the birthday boy for the last three hours (laughs) (laughs) and everything's nuts and he's completely depleted. And the last one is what? What do I hope to teach my child with my discipline? Stay focused on that. I love that. Be specific and gentle and clear with your kid about boundaries and repercussions. I'm feeling this, but I'm also thinking about this. And I'm like, so much of the discipline in, in my world is so always so immediate, right? It's always like in the moment and like, and something else is going to follow it up, right? Yeah. So as you're saying this, I'm like, sometimes I don't have a minute to get my journal out <laughs> and, and, you know, and like, why now? Why do that? You know, and I totally get this, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe you can't do it in the moment, but there's been plenty of times where I've come back to things and especially disciplinary actions or situations where I had to discipline or there was bad behavior that I keep thinking about. So there's no reason why you can't ever go back to it. In a calmer moment. In a calmer moment. Yeah. And even with yourself in a calmer moment being like, all right, what was this all about? Processing it and then going back to your kid. I agree. I also want to point out that it's a muscle. If you exercise the muscle of your first knee-jerk reaction being compassion, or being taking even a breath. You don't have to take a minute. Maybe it's three seconds. And I know for me, because I've been gentle parenting for approximately 48 hours now, so I'm pretty good at it. (laughs) But I do, I agree with you that in the moment, it's very often like, it's a hot moment, right? It's like, oh, there's all this flare up. But I think the more we work on stuff like this, the better we get at implementing it automatically. It will be the thing you go to. You know what's so crazy about that, Molly, and you're so, so right, is that I'm like, I'm a fine actor, right? Because of the fact that I've implemented a technique that I went to school and I learned, and every time I'm on set or I'm on stage, I use these things. And therefore, I'm okay. I'm a decent actor. I'd like to point out that you're a very good actor, but... Come on now. I wasn't... Some might say great. I would say great. I don't mean to make your head huge... I can barely keep my head on the desk right now. I can barely. (laughs) You're an awesome actor. You don't want to why? Because A, you have some of the funniest acting chops I've ever heard. You are a bit of a natural. But yes, you have dope technique. And you know what you did, Blair? You practiced. I practiced. And I don't, and what I'm thinking, and the reason why I say that, not to gas myself up or to have you gas me up, although, whew. I'll gas you up every day. That felt real good. And I can say the exact same thing about you, my love. But it's like, I can also practice these things as a mom. I can practice these things as a mother so that I'm not always so hard on myself like I do throughout my day. I mean, I cannot tell you, Molly. Actually, I have told you many times, Molly, how I just never feel like I'm doing anything right. I don't feel like I'm ever making an impact. I don't feel like I'm ever doing this, you know? And... I'm like, what are these kids getting out of this? (laughs) What is the end result going to be if I'm constantly feeling like this? But if I can practice this empathy, you know, and I can practice these techniques, it can maybe make a difference. And I might get out of this rut of feeling like, you know, I'm not that I'm a better actor than I am a parent. 
You know, and speaking of practice, maybe one thing that could benefit you and maybe some of our listeners is the practice of positive self-talk to combat those voices in your head. Yeah. Have, empathize with yourself. Yeah. Because you're doing it. Yeah. And speak to yourself. Like, you know, you want to be spoken to. Yep. Speak to yourself like you would want someone to speak to your kid. And always remember, you're your kid's <laughs> favorite mama. <laughs> you know? Number one. And remember, they're learning how to treat themselves when they see how you treat yourself. Yeah. And it's okay to open yourself up to them and say, you know, just like they say in the gentle parenting guidelines, you know, I'm having a really hard day today. What I need is some cuddles and (laughs) a good night's sleep. And tomorrow I'm going to be right back, baby. And that says to them, hmm, if I have a bad day, but then I treat myself nicely afterwards and I don't beat myself up about it. The next day is a new day. It's a new day, baby. You know? It makes all the difference. And it can, for sure. Oh, boy. Well, we solved it. We there solved it is. It. <laughs> we are gentle parenting experts. <laughs> Thank you and good night, <laughs> So, listen, you know, my takeaway from this is actually one of the things that Sarah Aquel Smith says about, you know, discipline and remembering when to discipline, which is after something happens you know, where you have had to decided it was a moment for them to learn or to learn a life lesson or whatever, to learn about boundaries. You have anticipated that you might see this behavior based on your kid's development. Hey, they're five, whatever that thing is to you. You know, for instance, preschoolers won't hypothesize about future actions when they've been sent to their room because they can't, because you're being mindful of their neurological development, right? Which I have to be better about. And then the final thing is what we're doing right now. Reflect and learn from the experience. You know, Blair and I have talked about this before, and, you know, just the two of us, nothing changes if nothing changes. Ain't that the So truth. if you're doing the same thing over and over and over and your kid's behavior isn't changing, you might want to think about changing your tactics. So step back and reflect. It's not them. It might be you. Oh, oh what? Oh, yeah, right. Really? <laughs> okay, let me try this. Yeah. Sarah Aquasmith says, reflection, reflection, and more reflection is key for effective discipline. What worked well last time and why? What didn't work so well? Why was that? Having a flexible approach to discipline, one that mimics a growth mindset is the only way. Yeah, because that's ultimately what you want to do. How many times have we said to our kids, didn't you learn that from last time? Right? Guess not. (laughs) No? No? (laughs) No? No, because you were not thinking about my brain development, mom. (laughs) Right. Right you are, sir. So to me, gentle parenting feels like just upping our awareness, taking ourselves off of autopilot and being gentle and understanding not only with where our kids are, but where we are. What are we dealing with today? What are we dealing with this week? Yeah. And being able to model for them Mm -hmm. gentleness to ourselves and others, Mm -hmm. partnering with them to make sure that they're learning the life lessons that they need and for them to always know that they're learning how to manage emotions, how to manage their body, how to manage their behavior is being done in a safe environment. It's okay for them to be learning. And safe. That's so key too, that it's a safe space for them. Because, and also, you know, the empathy thing too, is that if it's safe for them in their household and in their safe spaces, then when they go out into the world, then they can create safe spaces. Yes. And that's the whole empathy thing. You know, they can be safe spaces for their friends. You know, they can be safe spaces for, you know, strangers on the playground who they see who aren't playing. You know what I mean? It's like 
that too, like the ripple effect is, can be really huge. And I think that that's our job. They are our gifts. They're not ours to possess or own or have. They're gifts for us to mold and shape and love and kiss and cuddle and give back to the world to make it a better place. Imagine there's no something. (laughs) What's the first one? Heaven. Heaven? Thank you. Imagine there's no heaven. I feel like that's the opposite of what that song's about. I think that's the whole point of it. Listen, imagine if we all implemented a few of these gentle parenting bite-sized chunks. Bite-sized chunks. Yes. Let us know how it's working out for you. Yes, go to our Facebook page. We're part of the What Fresh Hell Media podcast universe, so please feel free to join that group. It's super fun, super supportive. And let us know how gentle parenting is going for you. Have you already tried it? Are you already a devotee? And you can let us know the pitfalls and the high points. Give us some tips, yeah. Give us some tips. We are newbies to this, and we're excited, and we're already going to try and implement this stuff so we can try this all together and, and pool our resources. Thank you all for listening. We think you're awesome. We do really love you and we wish you all the best with this gentle parenting. But more than anything, be gentle on yourself. Yep. Take it easy on yourself because we are just human. Don't beat yourself up. Please. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) Take it easy. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.